Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary issues that drive health outcomes. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices. This edition of the program covers the 2015 ASHP National Survey of Pharmacy Practice in Hospital Settings. The ASHP Annual Survey looks at six components of the medication use system with a particular set of variables covered every third year. The 2015 survey, which we're discussing here, dealt with patient monitoring and education. For a number of years now, the same authors have handled the survey, namely Craig Peterson, Philip Schneider, and Douglas Shekelhoff. With me for this discussion is Doug Shekelhoff, who is Senior Vice President in the Office of Practice Advancement at ASHP. Doug, I think it will be helpful to listeners, uh, as they reflect on your comments in this interview, to be aware of your responsibilities with the ASHP Office of Practice Advancement. Could you give us an overview of your duties? Sure. So I serve as the Senior Vice President of the ASHP Office of Practice Advancement. And in that role, I'm responsible for really helping our members address their practice challenges and in advancing practice in general. So we're constantly looking at where practice stands, and the national survey is one of the ways that we, we do so. It also allows us to track issues over time. I also oversee the Center for Medication Safety and Quality, where we promote safety through education, advocacy, provision of resources, and specific safety initiatives. I also oversee the Center on Practice Advancement, where uh, a key goal is to advance practice through the adoption of the Practice Advancement Initiative and related activities. And finally, I also have responsibility for the Center for Practice Development, which houses ASHP Consulting and ASHP International Activities. Well, very good. The 2015 report is based on responses from 325 hospitals. Doug, can you say anything about the accuracy of, of the nationwide projections in the article based on this number of responses? Well, and I know it doesn't seem like a very big number, but the sampling is done in a very rigorous manner, making the results more reliable. We start with a complete sample of all U.S. acute care and children's hospital, and then we stratify the sample, including a random representative mix of hospitals for each bed size. And then finally, we go through a process of contacting pharmacy directors through the mail and by phone using a scientifically accepted survey process known as the Dillman method. So while we and probably all survey researchers always hope for a bigger response, we feel that the established methodology that we use helps us rely on the results. And I assume this methodology that you've described here has been consistent now for a number of years. Is that correct? It has been. It's been used going back into the 90s as really the official methodology. And if you look back at surveys back into the, the 70s and 80s, it was actually a very similar methodology then, even though it wasn't known or wasn't referred to as the Dillman method, but it was a, it was a similar process. The survey uh, that you describe in the paper included some uh, very good operational definitions of some terms. Uh, for example, medication therapy monitoring. 
could you just uh, review that definition and then let's lead into some uh, discussion about, uh, from your perspective, the major findings relating to medication therapy monitoring? Sure. Well, and, and certainly we try to make sure that people are very clear with what we mean by certain terms that may not be part of their daily lexicon. So for medication therapy monitoring, we provided within the survey instrument a definition. And that definition reads, for the purposes of this survey, medication therapy monitoring occurs after a patient has received a medication. And medication therapy monitoring activities include, but are not limited to, monitoring of therapeutic drug levels, monitoring patient outcomes, monitoring patient laboratory results, adverse drug event monitoring, adjustments in medication regimens due to organ function changes or changes in their clinical status, and monitoring medication errors. So um, particularly with respect to trends, Doug, what can you say about the findings in the 2015 survey related to medication therapy monitoring? Well, this is a question that, because we've had the survey in place for a number of years, this is one example of a question that we've asked really going back to the year 2000. So we have some very good trending data on how, um, how this has evolved over time. So in 2015, 77% uh, of hospitals reported that they monitor a majority of patients on a daily basis. And this is up sharply from just 44% of hospitals saying that they monitored a majority of patients just 10 years ago. And so we continue to see more and more patients being actively monitored by pharmacists. And, and ideally, we, this should be all patients uh, being monitored in 100% of the hospitals, but at least at this stage, we're moving in the right direction. And it's very clearly a positive trend over the last 15 years. Right. Another term that uh, you've taken some care in defining in the uh, survey and in the article is uh, drug therapy management. Uh, how did you define that? So drug therapy management is defined as a, a multidisciplinary team process for selecting appropriate drug therapies, educating patients, monitoring patients, and continually assessing outcomes of therapy. Pharmacist activities in drug therapy management may include, but are not limited to, initiating, modifying, and monitoring a patient's drug therapy, ordering and performing laboratory and related tests, assessing patient response to therapy, counseling and education, educating a patient about medications, and administering medications. So it's a much more active patient management, and it includes monitoring as one component but it is considered more uh, to be multidisciplinary in nature. Again, um, looking then at uh, your findings reported from 2015, what can you say about uh, things that were particularly striking or uh, you know, notable from your perspective? We saw in 2015 uh, a growth in the number of hospitals with pharmacists who practice in patient care areas, typically working with a patient care team. Uh, the percent of hospitals with pharmacists practicing in this capacity is now over 50%, and it was only in the low 30% range just five years ago. So that's really uh, shown quite a bit of growth. Of the many practice characteristics that we measure, it's unusual to uh, have one move as quickly as, as this one has. So to me, that's a very encouraging and, and positive note for pharmacy and what pharmacists do. 
We also continued to see uh, greater roles for pharmacy technicians and more use of automation and technology for the preparation and distribution of medications. And at the same time, you know, pharmacists' involvement in drug patient care and drug therapy management is increasing. And going back to medication therapy monitoring for a moment, question I have for you. Uh, in hospitals in which resources do not permit pharmacists to monitor all patients, what do the survey findings tell us about how patients are selected for pharmacist monitoring? Well, you know, the survey reinforces the idea that pharmacy departments are prioritizing patients based on their acuity and intensity of medication use. So critical care patients, oncology patients, and just general inpatient med surge units routinely have pharmacists assigned, especially in hospitals uh, that are greater than 300 beds. And as the use of electronic health records are becoming more widespread, we also see more hospitals using this, these systems to identify patients that should be monitored more closely by pharmacists. We started tracking the use of these systems to identify patients in this year's survey and found that a majority of hospitals greater than 50 beds use this method to identify those patients who meet certain criteria such as having a large number of medications, having multiple IV medications, uh, having predefined lab parameters, uh, and so forth. And by doing this, it allows them to focus their limited resources on those patients with the greatest need. We also see a lot of development of predictive analytics in healthcare in general which will likely increase the sophistication of these systems in identifying the most critical patients in the coming years. Doug, uh, the survey, uh, of course, asked many questions about the extent to which hospitals have the benefit of these discrete uh, clinical services from pharmacists. And I think you've alluded to this a little bit in your response uh, regarding drug therapy management, but I wonder, can we draw any conclusions from uh, other data about the extent to which pharmacists are being integrated into patient care teams versus providing certain clinical services a bit tangentially as part of their decentralized presence in the hospital. Well, Bill, we define drug therapy management as multidisciplinary when we pose the question, but the extent to which pharmacists are highly integrated into team-based care is difficult to assess. We know that it's happening and we know that it's growing, but we don't really have objective data that shows that level of integration. You know, the simple fact is that by having far more pharmacists assigned to patient care areas would suggest that uh, there's more integration of pharmacists into team-based care. Uh, we also know that while team-based care in larger hospitals has been common for many years, in many smaller community hospitals, team-based care itself is just starting to evolve with or without a pharmacist. But either way, we have developed a number of resources through the Practice Advancement Initiative to help members make the case for pharmacist inclusion on patient care teams, especially when uh, there may be a need for justification for new resources. Turning to a different topic, uh, a major public health issue, the development of antimicrobial resistance by infectious organisms is being addressed by many hospitals through antimicrobial stewardship programs. And the 2015 survey assessed some facets of pharmacist engagement in such programs. Uh, Doug, uh, give us a summary of what you found in this regard. Well, the survey data shows that a growing number of hospitals report having an antimicrobial stewardship program in place. 
And while the size and structure of these programs vary, in nearly all cases, pharmacists are involved and are playing an important role. Uh, smaller hospitals are less likely to have a stewardship program and uh, many times are seeking solutions to these problems just because of their size and their level of resources. But over 60% of hospitals overall report having a program and in those hospitals, in about 60% of cases, pharmacists have a leadership and accountability role. And while it's often possible for larger hospitals to have a specialty residency trained pharmacists working in this type of role, again, it's less likely for that to be the case in, in smaller facilities. Overall, antimicrobial uh, stewardship and antibiotic use uh, remains a great opportunity for pharmacists' clinical involvement. And with recent changes uh, announced by the Joint Commission and inclusion of this within the medication management standards, all hospitals will be required to demonstrate how they will uh, address the antibiotic use issue. So pharmacy leaders really should assess what role the pharmacy is playing in this regard and if needed, seek ways to expand the knowledge of all pharmacists on staff through education and possibly seeking out certificate programs. Doug, um, considering the contemporary mission of pharmacy practice as expressed by ASHP and others, it would seem to make sense for the pharmacy department to assume responsibility for medication reconciliation upon patient admission and medication education upon patient discharge. What does the survey tell us about the current state of practice in this regard? Well, the data shows that while pharmacy is taking a greater role in medication reconciliation, both through pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, it's not always having complete responsibility for the process. And about 60% of hospitals indicate that either pharmacists or technicians play some type of role in that regard. But when we ask hospitals who has the primary responsibility for medication reconciliation, about half report that it is nursing and another fourth uh, report that it's the prescriber. Only about 10% say that it's the pharmacist who has primary responsibility. We hear frequently that many hospitals are challenged due to the resource requirements needed to perform this function and that it really happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there are a number of cases where hospitals have recognized the role that pharmacy can play in this regard and have allocated the, the necessary resources. Unfortunately, that's not been the case in, in all hospitals. And so nursing still plays an important uh, role in, in performing this activity. Let's discuss what the survey showed about the qualifications of the hospital pharmacy workforce. How are we doing with respect to pharmacist staff being residency trained? Well, many times when we hear about the number of residency programs and residency graduates, it would be easy to imagine that most pharmacists working in hospitals have completed a residency as part of their training. But the reality is that there are many pharmacists in the existing workforce who have not completed a residency. In fact, just 24% of pharmacists practicing in hospitals today have completed a PGY-1 ASHP accredited residency. But this is up from 18% just five years ago, so it continues to, to increase. About 6% have completed a PGY-2 residency and about 17 are board certified through BPS. And these percentages too are increasing rapidly. So to me, this points out that we have a well-trained and qualified workforce who's prepared to take on you know, additional patient care responsibilities that, uh, that are being granted. 
Let's uh, think about the technician workforce uh, a bit. Uh, what about the extent to which pharmacy technicians in hospitals are PTCB certified? Well, regarding technicians, about 78% of those working in hospitals are PTCB certified, and that's up from just 66% five years ago, also showing uh, very positive gains. And sticking with technicians, what about those who have received accredited uh, education and training? Well, the, the percentage of technicians who have completed PTAC accredited pharmacy technician training, it's still less than 18% in hospitals and health systems. And while it's growing slightly, the proportion overall who have received this training is still very low. Now, could you review for listeners uh, and give us your own interpretation of this, of uh, what the results have to say about hospital pharmacists and technicians and how they're currently spending their time in hospital pharmacy practice and what changes practice leaders would like to see in the future? Well, pharmacists are still spending a good deal of time on order review and verification and on drug distribution, although these are decreasing and pharmacy directors foresee that they will both decline in the future. And on the flip side, about a fourth of their time is spent on clinical activity and that percentage is expected to increase in the future. Not unexpectedly, pharmacy technicians spend most of their time on traditional preparation and distribution activities. What is notable, though, to me is that directors expect that time spent on non-traditional activities will double from its current state in the future. And these are activities such as obtaining a list as part of medication reconciliation, facilitating transitions of care, supervisory roles, and coordinating medication assistance programs. For both pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, the anticipated future, I think, is positive and very consistent with where we see the trending data. And I think the only question is how long it'll take us to see that future become a reality. Well, Doug, as you reflect on the overall findings in uh, 2015, uh, what do you see as the major opportunities for improvement in practice? And what are the implications, if any, uh, related to that for the ASHB Practice Advancement Initiative? Well, data show very positive trends on many fronts. What pharmacists are doing, duties being assigned to pharmacy technicians, and the extensive use of automation and technology. All these, to me, are very, very positive. I think the one area that needs attention, though, is how we prepare pharmacy technicians for their work. A lack of consistency regarding state requirements for education, training, certification, and licensure has left us with a patchwork of regulations and in some states no regulations or even a recognition of the pharmacy technician. I do think that the PTCB 2020 requirements are a positive step, but when you consider the large number of technicians working in hospitals and health systems and the growing responsibilities being given to them, there will be a point where just giving them on-the-job training is not adequate. And I think it's really indefensible when you consider the advanced level of activities that they're being asked to take on. You know, my fear is that this lack of standardized training may be the one thing that holds back many other aspects of, of practice advancement. So we've made great strides in the preparation of pharmacists and the capabilities of medication-related technology, but I do think we need to do more with, with technician preparation. You know, ambulatory care and other specialty areas such as antimicrobial stewardship and anticoagulation management also are growing rapidly, and those do present great opportunities for pharmacists. 
So overall, I'm, I'm very optimistic, encouraged by the findings uh, from this year's survey as we look at it from the, from the standpoint of, of practice advancement. This has been a discussion with Douglas Shekelhoff about the 2015 ASHP National Survey, which covered patient monitoring and education. For AJHP Voices, this is William Zelmer. Thank you for listening. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit www.ajhp.org.